0: Good morning, it is really good to be with you again this morning, um, Jamie's been going through this series on discipleship and we have um, been enjoying that. Uh, our passage today, Philippians chapter 3, the more I studied this, the more inadequate I felt to to give this message this morning and Probably by the time I'm done, you'll, you'll fully agree that uh, I was not, not adequate to the job. Um, this passage is so, so full. But as, it's, as, as, we, as we look at this, this first phrase, and we take it so much as a throwaway phrase, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. Nick already said this morning, Serve the Lord with gladness from Psalm 100. Rejoicing in the Lord. If we we had that as our overarching principle for our entire lives, not just here as we sing songs, but everything we do, that would would sum up discipleship. That if our our day-to-day work was an expression of us enjoying God and enjoying His goodness and His greatness, it would be an act of discipleship. if, As we're going through a crisis, if we're in that crisis and our hope is in the Lord, fully resting in Him, that's... Discipleship, that's following our Savior. That we are enjoying, we are rejoicing that He is our God. Because in those moments, in those those circumstances of, of utter distress, oh, praise God that I know Jesus. That's when I want my king to be the one who is resurrected from the dead. That's when I want the one who, who has defeated the corruption and, and the circumstances of this earth. That's who I want when I want him as my Savior. And so we rejoice in the Lord. We could spend all morning just talking about this phrase: rejoice in the Lord. But we're going to move on. Uh as we as we talk about disciples let's see if this will other one. No. only we had a tech guy. Um, as we talk about disciples, the first thing that, that comes to mind, typically the first passage that comes to mind, is Matthew twenty eight, nineteen and twenty. Go ye therefore. And teach all nations, or make disciples of all nations baptizing them. Let's look at that. Matthew 28, 19 and 20. And this is going to form the lens, because Philippians 3 is so dense, this this passage is going to form the lens with which we approach Philippians 3. We're going to look at it through this lens of discipleship. So, Look at verse 19. Go you therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Look at what this says about making disciples. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. So we're, we're, first of all, he's established that we're talking about believers. These are, Believers who have been baptized, and last week Jamie talked about how baptism is that first external expression of what's happened spiritually in your life to transform you. That, that baptism is that step of announcing to the world that I am a new creation. I am, I am new in Christ. I have been born again. So he talks about baptism, but then for discipleship, we said, he says that they are to know, they are to, we are to teach them all things whatsoever I have commanded you. So it's that people, the, the, the word disciple, the word disciple is the, the, the definition, like the one word definition is learner. A disciple is a learner. But we're going to flush that out a little more. And so, first of all, it's, learning what Christ commands. It's learning what He commands. But then, more than that, it's not simply just knowing these things. It's that you are to observe all things. See verse 20? 20, uh, teaching them to... We aren't teaching them to know everything Christ commanded. We're teaching them to obey whatever Christ commanded. So there's a difference there. If as as you talk about disciple, the word disciple, you think of like the ancient philosophers that, "Oh, I'm a disciple of Aristotle. I'm a disciple of Socrates. I'm a Well, if someone knew, "Oh, I know all about Socrates." "Oh, really? Okay. So you you know all about this. Do you so you follow his teachings?" "Oh, no. The guy the guy was you know, off, off the mark all over the place. Well then you're not a disciple of him. You're just a historian who knows a lot about this guy, but that doesn't make you a disciple. A disciple knows what the teacher teaches, but then follows, does what the teacher said to do. He I've got to get rid of this otherwise I'm going to trip over it. Um, the disciple Follows along and does what he knows to do, what, what this teacher, what his master taught, he does. So it's knowing or learning, and then doing or following, that you're following, and then teaching. A disciple then turns around and teaches others these same commands, these same truths, this same teaching. And then finally, a disciple reproduces. He's not just teaching so someone else knows a lot about it. He's wanting to teach that person to the point where then they can then go and teach someone else. So these four parts of discipleship are all built into this ver these two verses here. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. To do or to obey all things. It's not just knowing. It's not just learning. It's following. And then it's teaching. And then it's reproducing. That's built into that go you therefore and... Teach all nations. There's a reproductive multiplying process built into that whole phrase. That you're making disciples of all nations. This is happening over and over and over again. Back in the 1500's there were a group of Anabaptists that were being persecuted. Uh, by the Catholics because they were they believed in believers' baptism that, that you had to believe first and then baptism was an expression of that belief and they were they were being persecuted by uh, the the Catholic Church. There's a there's this uh, book called uh, the I think it's the Forty Eight Rules of Power and it, one of the rules is that you strike the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. Certainly, the Pharisees thought this was true. They they strike the shepherd, and what happened to the disciples? They all scattered. The problem is, when the shepherd comes back to life, he's even more powerful than he was before, so that he has greater influence. Uh, this, this was what the Catholic Church did with these Anabaptists. They, they martyred, they killed the leaders of this Anabaptist group, and the group nearly completely died out. Because everybody just scattered. After they regrouped, they determined this will not happen again. And their process for doing that was discipleship. They determined if you were a member of this group, you would be discipled to the point where you can then teach others and make disciples of others. So if they come back and persecute us again, they won't just have to kill the leaders. They'll have to kill every single one. That was, that was what they determined. And that's what we're seeing both in this Matthew 28 passage, but also back in Philippians chapter 3. Let's turn back to Philippians chapter 3. First of all, we see a a section here that is referring to the fact that Paul is a believer. He's referring to them as brethren. They are our believers as well. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you, to me indeed is not grievous, but for you it is safe. Now, once again, what he's saying is, I know you've heard this before. But it's not troublesome. It's not a problem for me to repeat myself. To teach you these same things over again. And it's really good that you hear it again. It's important. It's safe. It it shores you up. Now, verse 3. For we are the circumcision. We are cut off from the flesh. That's what what he's referring to. Romans 6 says we are dead to sin and alive to sin. To God. That's salvation. When he's saying, we are the circumcision, he's saying, we are saved. We are believers who put our trust in Christ. And I have no confidence in the flesh. This salvation did not come from my work and my pedigree and my background. It It came through Christ Jesus. And He goes through His pedigree, his accolades, his standing. And he goes through this whole list and he says, you know, I have it. You can check off all the boxes. And if you think you've got it, Paul's got more. Becky referred to Christ saying, suffer the little children. Let the little children come unto me. You have to recognize in in a First century context, the child had had no standing in and of himself. He had no authority. He had no, no way of making any sort of claim. And Christ is saying, this is how the kingdom of God works. People who recognize, I have nothing, I have no ability to save myself, And God's pointing to these little children and saying, Christ is pointing to them and saying, Look, that's how we need to be when you come to me as a little child, helpless. And Paul's saying, Didn't matter that I had all these accolades, they were nothing. Nothing. Moving on to verse 7. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. So now we're moving into the knowledge. It's not just that he's he's made this step of faith in Christ. He's now moving into the expected discipleship. Discipleship is the expected outcome of a believer. We are not saying, Jamie and I are not teaching that, oh, if you don't do this, then you didn't get saved. Or if you do this, that will save you. Not at all. No. And Paul's not saying that. He's saying it comes through faith. It's the righteousness of faith. But... Discipleship is the expected outcome of our faith. That's what we're, we expect to happen in people's lives. So, there's this learning process of understanding and um, knowing the truth and also unlearning the things of the world. Because the world teaches us that all those accolades, they mean something. That money, that house, that job, that family, that pedigree, that education, it all means something. You have to strive for what you get. You have to get success. You have to unlearn that as a disciple of Christ. Because the world is just shouting it at us. So he says, I, what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ, loss for Christ, that word counted there is to esteem or judge. It comes from the word command. So it's, he's just saying, he's saying, no, I am going to determine. I am judging that is worthless. It will not save me. Christ is worth everything. So he's he's gaining this knowledge. Yea, Dallas, I count all things but loss, for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. Okay? So, there's something going on in this passage. We're going to take a little side note here. That Paul keeps shifting back and forth between what we call positional holiness or positional righteousness and practical holiness or practical righteousness. Positional versus practical. The, the other night, Wednesday night, we prayed with Mervyn and Gail. And we had more fun at a prayer meeting um, than we've had in a long time. It was such a blessing to pray with you folks. Um, Really, it's it just it, there's just a, a, a joy and a, and a a light there. Um, it was just a thrilling time. Uh, we, as we were talking, they mentioned that they had been married. They've been married for 63 years. Praise praise God for that. That's just such a beautiful thing. As as those who believe strongly in marriage, we should truly celebrate. Celebrate anniversaries and marriages that last. 63 years ago, they were married over in Appleton, you said. So they were declared married at that point. You are married. They are no more married now than they were the day that they were married. It's They're they're married. That's their position. They are married. But if you spend any time with them together, you know now that there is a marriage. There is a union. There is a relationship. There is a life to this that wasn't like that when they first got married. It has grown. It, is, it has become more and more beautiful. And it has fostered and, and just borne fruit. And now, it's something much, much more. They're living it out. They're practicing it. That's practical. So there, there's the position of, they are married. But now, there is a practice of that. Paul is switching back and forth between, okay, positionally, I have knowledge of Christ. I have faith in Christ. I have a righteousness that has been given to me. Practically, I am working. I am striving. I am, I am desiring. I am rejoicing that I can be part of God's work in my life and I am changing and being transformed. So that's what's happening here. So so notice here I count everything but loss for uh, verse 8 for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ. So he has this knowledge, but then we drop down in verse 10 that I may know him in the power of his resurrection. I may know him. So he has knowledge positional, but he also Wants to, now he wants to live that out. He wants to be what he's been declared to be. What he's been called. He wants to, to show that, to demonstrate that, to have that happen in his life. He's been given righteousness. Now he wants to be righteous, to live that out. He wants to know Him. This disciple, this learner, wants to experience hands-on learning. Not just know the facts, but actually live it. Experience. Know Him that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection. Do you understand? We've been given new life. That's a resurrected life. New birth. A new creation. That's the power of the resurrection. That's been given to us positionally. Now, live like you've been made new. Live as a new creation. Demonstrate that. Verse 11. If by any means I might attain to the resurrection of the dead. So now we're moving from knowing, learning, experiencing, to following. Attain to the resurrection of the dead. Wait, Paul, don't you believe that you're going to be resurrected? That faith in Christ? Oh, absolutely he believes that. He knows that for sure. But he's not trying to attain resurrection. He's not trying to earn resurrection. He's he's trying to attain to it. He's trying to live up to that level. Have you ever said to your kids, Well, you sure don't act like it. We, you know, don't ever have to say that to our kids except like once or twice a week. Uh, the, The you sure don't act like it usually comes right after the child has said, I know. And then we say, you sure don't act like it. Because knowing and doing are two different things. Christ wants disciples who are disciples in deed, in their deeds, in their actions, that they are following after the things that they know to be true. Once again, back to Matthew 28, 19 and 20, we're not just teaching them to know the things that Christ commanded. We aren't just teaching them everything He commanded. We're teaching them to do everything He commanded. To obey everything He commanded. We expect the, the disciple to follow these things. You, you live it out. Because knowing and doing are two different things. I have known easily for 20 years that you do not work on a garage door when the springs are connected. I have scars to prove That knowing that was not sufficient. (laughs) You have to obey it. You have to do it. Don't work on a garage door. Even if it's a simple fix. If the springs are connected. I didn't do it. Two different things. So we want to follow through. We want to follow after. Look at verse 12. Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend (laughs) that for which I am apprehended of Christ. Follow that. Okay, let's go backwards. I'm apprehended of Christ. So why does he need to apprehend? Apprehend just means grasped. I'm captured by Christ. Why does he need to capture? Because it's once again, positional versus practical versus practice. He has been grasped. He has been captured by the resurrection of Christ, by the beauty of Christ, by the the joy of the Lord. He has been, been held fast by that and he's not going to be lost. But now, he wants to live like that. He wants to follow that. He wants to demonstrate that in all of life. In every practice of life. Not just on Sundays, but every day. That this this overwhelms his life. And encompasses all that he does and who he is. He's going to follow Christ. Look at the, these, these terms here. I follow after Verse 12. Verse 13. Reaching forth to those which are before. Verse 14. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling. Okay? He's he's reaching for that. And the reason, the motivation behind that is because it's already been given to Him. My mom used to say when I'd leave the house, don't forget whose you are. Connie's father used to say, Don't forget who you belong to. It meant you belong to Christ, so live like it. And many times I left the house thinking, Maybe she knows what I'm about to do. Why did she say that? And she looked me right in the eye. And every so often, not often enough, I would change my plans. Simply because mom said, remember, remember who you, whose you are, remember who you belong to. And I would think, I can't go do what I'm about to do. And other times I would rebel against that and I would say, I'm going to do it Anyway. Paul's talking about remembering that and having it change us, transform us into a follower of Christ because we've been made His, so act like we're His. Then moving on. (laughs) He's, He's putting away those things which were behind Okay? Those things which were behind, he's referring to that list of accolades. He's saying, you know what? I'm forgetting about those. I'm pressing forward to Christ. I'm not trying to strive for those things anymore. I'm pressing forward for Christ. That's where I'm going. And that, that forgetting and that moving on, it, it it works two ways. One, you can, you can use it to say, okay, I have all these, these credits to my account. They're meaningless. I'm moving on from the world's thinking on to Christ's thinking. The other thing Paul mentions is that he was persecuting the church. Imagine how hard that was for Paul to have to put behind him. He was there when Stephen was martyred. He was killing Christians and devoted to that. Some of us have sin in our lives and have a, have a history that, that Satan comes to us and says, oh yeah, sure, you want to be a disciple today? But you and I both know. We know how it's been. And you and I know that in a few days, you're going to just give in to that temptation all over again. So why even try Put those things behind and press toward the mark. That's what needs to happen. Yeah, that happened, but I'm not buying into that lie again. I am not going to do that because I am a child of God and He has declared me dead to sin. So I'm going to put that behind and I'm going to devote my life to discipleship to Christ and We do that time and time again. Paul's saying, I haven't made it, folks. I haven't attained. This is Paul, the Apostle. And he's saying, I haven't reached it yet. I'm not just resting on my laurels and just, okay, yeah, I've already been there, done that. No, I'm pressing forward. So now we're moving into teaching let us, therefore, as many as be perfect. Now, just a few verses back, Paul just said, I'm not perfect. It's not as though I've attained. It's not as though I've, I we're already perfect. Verse 12. And then he's saying, let us, therefore, as many as are perfect. As many as are maturing, matured believers. We aren't there yet. He's already admitted that. But there have been elements of discipleship that have been completed, that have been worked out in our lives. And he's expressing this to people at Philippi who know him, who've worked with him, who've, who've come alongside him and are familiar with him. And he's saying, you know, you've seen me, and I know you, and you're mature, and I want you to have this same mind. Verse 15, let us therefore, as many as are perfect, be thus minded, think this way. And if you're, any, if you're not thinking this way, if you're not pressing toward the mark, God will show you, and you will be, those who are mature, will be convicted by God and will respond to that. At the end of verse 15 there, God shall reveal even this to you. He's going to show you. And that's what we expect from mature Christians, is that they are living a life that is under the conviction of God, turning to Him in repentance, and, and following Him as their King. nevertheless, Whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us mind the same thing. Now, this verse 16 is really key to this passage and somewhat confusing. Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us mind the same thing. i witnessed a number of Christians completely turn from the faith. And what I've seen is as they fall away, it is is a, a leaving behind those things that they've practiced all along. Those things in your discipleship that you've already attained, that you've already done, it's not like oh, been there, done that. No, you have to keep doing those things. You have to build on those things. And when those, those the the practices, the disciplines of the faith fall from your life, then the greater expressions of discipleship, of ministry, of of reaching out to others, of Teaching others about Christ, of showing Christ, those fall away as well. So when you, when you see the, when you have attacks on your prayer life and on your time with the Lord and His Word, you need to watch out. Paul's saying those things that you've already done, that you've already gotten, you've already figured out, don't fall back. Keep doing those things. Make that as a rule for your life because there's a consistency here. An expression of ongoing discipleship and discipline that teaches those that are around you so that people see, okay, they, these these people keep, keep on keeping on. That's what he's saying. When we talked to Mervyn and Gail on, on Wednesday night, they shared with us that it was, it was Gail's birthday, and so uh, Mervyn took her to Walmart, of course, because um, <laughs> she's a high-maintenance girl. And so they went to Walmart, and they were coming out, and this woman was trying to change a battery in her car. And it turned out that that woman is my aunt, and she's a widow. And so Mervyn was telling us, and Gail was telling us this story, about all that she had gone through and how they were able to help her. And Mervyn wasn't saying, so I helped a widow today. No, it wasn't like that at all. He was sharing his life. He was sharing his discipleship, his care for those who are weak. And he was sharing that with rejoicing to me. That's the teaching. That's the teacher that the the disciple is. When we talk about teaching, it's not, oh, if you're not a disciple, if you aren't up here speaking and and rambling on and on about things. No. It's it's that a life is connecting with another life and you are sharing Christ's in his work in your life with another believer, you are discipling them. Logan and I went and picked up a refrigerator, um, literally, uh, <laughs> a little while back. And refrigerators have to be carried upright, or most of them do. Uh, and we bought a used fridge before and we laid it down in the back of our van and it didn't go well. So we weren't going to do that again. And so we we had to lift this fridge up and... I never knew Jefferson was so big. And we just drove and drove and drove and drove and finally got to this guy's house and bought this used fridge. But the whole time, Logan and I are talking about the passages we've been doing in in our morning Bible time. We're talking about what this means. And okay, I have this question. and, And what do you think of this? And what does that mean for our lives? There's a teaching going on Because we were picking up a refrigerator. There, there are young men in this congregation here at South Hope Community that would love to have an older man just take them fishing or work alongside them on a Saturday project and just share the experiences the, the, the beauty, I, I'm picking on, on Mervyn and Gail today, um, but the beauty of their marriage, I, I would love to, 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 to continue to grow into that kind of a marriage. And I love our marriage right now. I love our marriage today, but there's a, there's a blossoming, a, a light that's expressed by A marriage like that. All of us could learn from that. This is the kind of teaching that the disciple does. This is the kind of teaching that Paul is referring to. And he's talking to uh, to these people in a way that, that demonstrates, okay, you know me and I know you. Why? Because we were in the trenches. We were working side by side together when I was there in Philippi. That's what I expect from you. That's the, the disciple. That's the teacher that you're, you're teaching others about Christ by opening up your life to others, sharing your life with others. and as you do that, you're expressing the transformation that Christ has brought into your life. Now I know you're all worried because you see that there's one more point up there, reproducer. Thankfully, Jamie's covering that next week. (laughs) Maybe not from these verses, but we expect that this learning, this following, this teaching will reproduce, will multiply, that there's an ongoing, that it will spread throughout the body, that it will spread throughout this community, that it will spread throughout this state. That's the way discipleship is supposed to work. That there's a reproductive element to this. That striking the shepherd does not cause the sheep to scatter. But that there is such discipleship, there is such confidence in that we know who we are and we're living that out and we're sharing our lives with others and we're sharing what God's doing with one another that is spread throughout the body and that all of us can come alongside someone, can lead them to Christ and then can lead them into a life of discipleship for Christ. Let's pray. Father, Father, what a joy it is to be a disciple of Christ. I pray that... The song we sang today, tis so so sweet to trust in Jesus. Lord, I pray that that would be true, that we would, we would not do these things because we have to, but we would do these things because you are so good and Jesus is so great. Oh Lord, help us to live into the name with which we've been called. That we would live like those who've been resurrected from the dead. We know none of it's possible in our own strength. And so we pray these things in Jesus' authority. Amen. Thank you.